is, is uh, straight out of Job chapter 38. If you want to go and read that sometime, it's basically this conversation that God and, and Job are having, um, mostly one-sided conversation. Um, but uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different. I want to start off by um, reminding you a little bit about our Constitution. You ready for this? Okay. The Constitution of the United States, our founding fathers, provided a provision for our president. And this is what it said. It says, The president shall from time to time give to Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. <clears throat> so, you know what I noticed about that? <laughs> Was that it always said he. So... They weren't ready for a female president when they wrote the Constitution, which is kind of interesting. I'm like, oh, really? Anyways, so uh, each year in late January, early February, uh, the president gets together both houses of Congress, and he kind of lays out his plan, his vision for the next year, new laws um, or directions, paths that he wants the country to go. And so today, I want to do something similar. Um, I want to make kind of a wellspring State of the Union address kind of where we are as a church in, in, in the past uh, 2016 and where we're heading in the year to come. So if you haven't been here with us, then you, the second part's going to be exciting for you because you won't really know what's going on in the first part. So, um, but 2016 was an extraordinary year for Wellspring um, in a lot of ways. One very practical way is that it was our 10-year anniversary and so we celebrated that uh, this past October 2nd, which was extremely uh, exciting for us all. We didn't know we were going to make it at all. Um, but as I took some time to reflect on the many ways that God moved in our community, our church community this past year, I was pretty blown away. Um, the backdrop to our year was a sermon series that we went through that, that uh, kind of ended last spring uh, on the way of Jesus. And if you remember that series, for me, it was, it was probably... Um, one of the most enjoyable ones I've had preparing for and delivering, definitely one of the most challenging to begin really contemplating the way in which Jesus lived his life, not just what he said, but how he also just lived and went about being the savior of the world. Um, And what stood out, and it was kind of the first message I gave in that series, was this constant call towards downward mobility. Jesus' constant call toward downward mobility. Jesus was unyielding in his example, in his calling to us to reject the material and societal trappings of this world. If you look at his life, and we called it kind of American dream Christianity, he's, his call to us is deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you look at his story from beginning to end, he was born humbly, lived humbly, and died humbly. There's nothing proud or arrogant or loud or come and watch me about his life. And as I remarked several times during that series, we kind of looked at a verse where he said, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I made the comment that, that we want all of the life and we want some of the truth, but we don't really want much of his way. We kind of want to get the life and the truth doing it our way. We kind of like calling the shots and kind of say, here's, here's how I'm going to go about this. Can you just bless that for me? So that was kind of our, our backdrop for this year was that message series. 
But I saw some tremendous growth in our community in 2016. Um, just great evidence of spiritual fruit. And a lot of things kind of came together for us last summer. For one, um, Sam Donahue um, moved from part-time to full-time, um, being our director of neighborhood initiatives. And she uh, still lives in the guest house that we bought in 2015 and continues to kind of lead and take us deeper into engagement in our neighborhood and our community. Um, this past summer, we also had our largest intern class. Um, every summer, we have an internship for young adults, um, kind of like 17 to however far you want to consider young adults. Uh, it's kind of a loose ending there. But um, we had 11 uh, folks go through that last summer. And um, it's a 10-week discipleship process, so it was, it was a pretty high calling. And four of those 11 um, actually went a little bit deeper with Sam spending their Mondays and Fridays also with her. Two of those four actually lived in the house with her all summer. And so that was a, a tremendous thing for us. And Justin and Sam, you guys do a great job with our internship, so thank you guys um, for the work you put into that. And I think a lot of the interns would, would echo that, so... This summer, Wellspring also took the lead in um, getting the care portal, which you've heard a lot about, kind of rolled out in Buchanan and Andrew County, which is um, Circuit 5 in court language. And so Sam and I um, went around and, and recruited uh, other churches, equipped leaders in those churches and trained them and to begin being ready to receive emails from the children's division. And so since August 10th, when we kind of launched that till now, we've had um, 10 different requests that have come through from the children's divisions to the various churches that are part of our network now um, and that have been fulfilled, a lot of them by you guys. I'm just saying, <clears throat> we're kind of in the lead, but... Not that anybody's keeping score, but if they were. Um, but honestly, it's, it's just, I think for our church and what we've been talking about and doing for years, it's so much a part of our culture that it's, I mean, it's just, when we send out a request, you guys are just on it quick. And I just had a meeting with some other pastors uh, this week that are in the care portal and are like, yeah, we're starting to learn that, like, we got to get on it. Like, if we want to do something, you can't wait around. Like, you, you got to snatch it up. So, so you guys have been doing great. Um, Wellspring has also hosted um, two classes called Strengthening Families, which is another collaborative effort with the Children's Division where they identify some families that are in crisis. Um, and uh, so they come in and, and, and go through kind of a parenting class, really, for about 14 weeks. Um, Sam's been teaching that. Um, we've been hosting it here at the church. People have been bringing food in. There's a dinner time there and supporting that effort. So thank you for that. Also in the year ahead, just a little bit of a side note, is um, we're also going to be approaching the school district's um, social workers and giving them access to the care portal uh, technology as well so that the social workers in school can actually put a request out to churches uh, through the care portal and, um, and really want to hit... Uh, the preventative side of this whole thing. Um, if we can keep families intact um, before things get to the crisis level, um, that's really what we want to try to do. And, and the schools have the front row. Uh, so Kelly, I'll be talking to you, right, and many others, um, to, to get that rolled out in this next year as well. Our discipleship movements continue to grow and expand um, many more people went through the storyline study this past year, which takes a look at your life story and the, the ways in which God has redeemed uh, some of our most broken moments. How many of you at this point over the last three years or so have been through storyline and experienced that? That's awesome, man. We, we hope that a lot more do that as well um, in the years ahead. Um, 
<clears throat> Kelsey Irwin has really been the one that spearheaded a lot of that stuff. Um, she's not here this morning, but she planned also some of the worship nights we've had here with Dave and our band being together. Um, she planned our whole service last weekend, pretty much, um, and then also wrote those blogs um, during Lent and Advent that have been so awesome. So um, it's a blessing to have her. Her husband, Brent, also this past year kind of spearheaded a, a movement among Wellspring men to be a part of a, a weekend, a deal called Men's Encounter. Um, they've been taking some men down to Brent's Brothers Church in Oklahoma to be a part of that. And uh, I know 10 guys went through it last year. We've got another nine signed up for um, January trip coming up. And if you're interested and want to know more about that, let me know. Um, because that's, that's an exciting thing that our guys have been up to. Um, financially, uh, it's probably been our most generous year as a church. Um, this Advent season that we just finished up uh, here a couple weeks ago where we kind of took money in for some different local nonprofits and stuff that we wanted to support, um, it netted over $20,000. Um, and that doesn't include the, the dollar Sunday offerings that we had in the mornings too, so it was probably closer to twenty-two or, uh, or so thousand dollars that we're able to just give away and be a blessing to those folks. Um, let's give ourselves a round of applause for that. <clears throat> Yes. For the first time in our budget history as well, um, just in our Wellspring budget, we were able to give away 10% of our budget um, to various ministry endeavors. Um, a lot of times, that's, um, there are some local ministries that we support on a monthly basis, but a lot of that money we kind of set aside and, and just wait for God to bring things to us. So whether that's folks that were going on mission trips that needed a little help or maybe they're going on staff with Campus Crusade or wherever and, and they need some monthly support or, or Young Life student staff people um, uh, or camp trips or people going through adoption, coming alongside them and saying, hey, how can we help you financially? Um, so uh, it was just really fun to just be generous. And, um, and, and so that was an exciting thing about our, our past year as well. And let's not forget, as we mentioned on several occasions, that Wellspring families cranked out a record number of babies in 2016. <laughs> Unbelievable exponential growth. Giving birth, pun intended, to the new slogan, creating the next generation, right? With the subtitle, church growth by reproduction, <laughs> right? We've got the church growth thing figured out. It's like, we don't need to bring anybody new in. We just need to have more children. So <clears throat> now all of those accomplishments for 2016 are nice and definitely something that, that we can be proud of. Um, but I think the thing that, that excites me the most is is the spirit behind it. Because I think that in all those places where we're growing, I think it's done out of a spirit of love and a, and a real desire to obey God's, um, you know, his most important commands, he said, which is love me and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and we're not a perfect church, but I see the hearts of people turning in that direction and really wanting to move in ways of obedience in those things. And so, um, that's been really exciting as we try to kind of fully live out this mission God has for us in St. Joseph. So that was 2016, and now I want to turn our attention kind of to the year ahead and share with you some things that God has kind of laid on my heart as I've been praying about um, places that we might want to move. This is not all-encompassing, but just a few that I want to lay out there for, for this next year. But I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2 this morning. It's uh, page 51. 
<clears throat> Let me give you a little bit of background. Um, and we're going to be kind of, as we're going through the uh, Jesus and Genesis series, we're going to be picking back up on that next week. We'll, we'll kind of lead up to Exodus. Um, and so the, the, the people in Israel end up in Egypt, mainly because of some different famines that have gone on. And God kind of places an Israelite leader there, Joseph, um, and his family all moved down there during that time. Um, and so they end up kind of staying in Egypt and, and multiplying and growing and having kids. And um, so basically what happens is, is the people in Egypt, the leaders, are like starting to get threatened by the Israelites and how big they're becoming. And so they think, well, we're gonna, maybe we should put them in bondage and subdue them a little bit so that they don't get too much power and control. And so they actually make the, the Hebrews their slaves. Okay, so this, that's where we're at in the story, and, um, and Pharaoh actually gives this order at the end of chapter 1. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let, let every girl live. And so the Pharaoh is actually going to the point now where he's wanting to kill all the male children of Israel. So in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she, put a, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So, <clears throat> what are some of the questions kind of ruminating around in your mind or some things that you kind of noticed as we read through that little 10-verse passage there? Did it make you think of Yeah, Dave? Yeah, yeah, it's like all, all things came together kind of perfectly there, right? Yeah, what else? <clears throat> yeah, he said, if I were to come across a child uh, on the street or just whatever, what would be my first move? Would I, would I embrace him and take him in? You know, or yeah, how would I respond? That's good. Anything else? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. How did Moses' sister have the courage to, to approach Pharaoh's daughter and ask her that? Yeah, anything else, somebody else? What she said? <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. My thoughts on this is Pharaoh's daughter like Pharaoh's boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Pharaoh's daughter broke Pharaoh's law. That's good. There's a lot of good stuff in here, man. Um, But here's the thing. As I was thinking through this, and there's a lot of different theories. You read biblical commentaries about why Pharaoh's daughter was down there to begin with. But I do know this, is that the Nile River could not have been the most convenient or clean, right, Um, or private source of water for a bath, right? I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense that that's where she was. So what was she doing there? Well, knowing that the edict that her dad had given, what I think is part of this piece of the puzzle is that she was putting herself in the path of need. Coming out from the palace and putting herself into the space where she would interact with, with people in need. And because she was there, and because her heart was open and available, God used her to take Moses in and, and to prepare him and grow him up for the task that he had for her. So one of my goals or desires for our congregation for 2017 was that we would be kind of like Pharaoh's daughter, that we would continue coming out from behind the church walls or the walls of our home or wherever those walls of comfort are for you guys, and that we would step into the things that God might have for us in the year ahead and and families that, that might be in need. There's a tremendous need in our community for families in crisis. And, you know, being a part of Care Portal, continuing to respond to those needs that come through, um, volunteering with Sam and and the guest house and the ministries we have here in the neighborhood, food for kids in the summer, um, being a part of the Strengthening Families classes, just basically making yourself available and saying, God, I'm going to step out in some different ways and put myself in the path of some people in need in this next year. And specifically, guys, there's a tremendous need for foster and adoption care. And we've talked about this a lot. But I want to talk specifically for a moment just about Circuit 5, Buchanan, and Andrew County. Since 2011, if you'll put that graph up there for me, this is kind of the trajectory of, of how things have gone in Circuit 5 the last five years or so. Children in custody has gone from 34 to 73 in 2015, and I just, uh, in, in talking, Sam and I, the last week with the folks there at Children's Division, that's, that's kind of the number right now as well, is about 73, the average has been about 75 over this past year. The number of licensed families, um, that number 47 is a little bit misleading, um, because that also includes Um, like next of kin or relatives that have stepped up to take in kids that are in foster care. Um, So if you take those people out, there's about 20 families in Buchanan and Andrew County that are licensed to take in foster care kids, like non-family members of kids in the system, if you understand what I'm saying. Out of a population between those two counties of at least 100,000 people, 20 licensed foster care folks. Okay, now when I look at that, as I'm sure you're thinking, that seems ludicrous. I mean, there, there are some problems as the church that we are never going to solve. Like, we are never going to solve poverty. <laughs> we are never going to solve abuse and neglect in, in the homes in our counties. 
It's just not going to happen. Jesus said the poor will always be with us. But this is a problem that we can solve. Bridging that gap between the number of kids in the system and the number of families that are licensed. Because when we have licensed families here and those kids get removed from their homes, they stay here. They stay in the school that they're in with some friends that they have. They don't get sent to Kansas City or Chillicothe or Cameron or wherever there might be another family to take them in. And so my goal for us this year, as, as we put up there, is that 10 Wellspring families would at least be in the process, the application process, for either adoption or foster care. And I, I know of at least four families in our church that are in that process already right now, so we're almost halfway there um, before we've started. So that's at least six more families um, that I'm praying that God is going to put on their heart to step forward in some way, either to foster or to adopt. And um, I, I've also, when I met with the pastors the other day, I'm encouraging them as well um, to put that out before their congregation. I know that we can't close that gap probably just in our church alone, but as the church in St. Joe, we can definitely knock this thing out in the next couple of years. And that's my goal and the drum I'm going to continue to beat. So if you don't want to hear about it, don't come here. I'm just being honest with you. I'm going to keep talking about it. So um, if you're feeling guilty, it might not be me. It might be the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that if, if you feel God stirring you in, in some direction there, whether it is fostering or adopting, guys, come and let us know. <clears throat> because some of us have been through this. You know, I, I have a, a four-year-old from Ethiopia. I've been through the process, paperwork and the raising money and all the unknowns and the uncertainties and the questions and the fears and worries and all that stuff. We want to walk alongside you through this. We got people that can encourage you, that can help you navigate the paper trail. Um, you know, we want to be in this with you. You're not alone in doing this. And, and this is another part of this that's a huge piece that I want to develop here in the year ahead is a wraparound team. And that wraparound team is going to be a team of people in our church that will, as soon as, you know, that family in our church that's, that's registered for license for foster care gets that call, hey, I've got a kid you need to come pick up. That, that wraparound team goes into motion, and they're like, hey, what do we need to do to help you get those kids established in your home? Do we need to go to the store and get you some groceries or whatever we need to do? If you're going through the adoption process and you've got that next bill you've got to pay, wraparound team, hey, how can we help you figure out the fundraising piece of this? How can we encourage you? How can we support you? Six months later when all the help's gone away and you need a weekend off, that wraparound team comes in and says, hey, you know, we'll find a family that can take your kids for the weekend so you guys can get a break and get some respite care. So if God's putting on your heart to, to maybe be a part of that team of people, um, we need obviously somebody to lead it and people just to be a part of it. But um, that's critical as well. Because uh, to move forward and ask all y'all to do some crazy stuff and not have the support team in place is also kind of reckless on our part. So, um, so if you feel a nudge to be a part of that wraparound team, let me know as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, you hear when people go into a new calendar year, um, especially Christians, we have these goals of, you know, I want to spend more time with God. I want to be in the Bible more, which is awesome. And, and there's great plans for devotionals or read the Bible in a year and all that stuff. You hear a lot of conversation about that. But guys, if you only do that and you don't also marry to it the practical side, 
of living out your faith in radical ways, you are missing what following Christ is all about. It can't just be about filling ourselves up with head knowledge about God. It's got to also be married to actual action and feet to the ground steps in your life where you're stepping out in faith in ways that stretch you to the point where you have to rely on God to be in it with you every step of the way. You've got to be so in over your head that you're dependent on him to show up. And if we're too used to living our lives in ways where we don't have to depend on him, then everything that we're reading about in the Bible will not make sense, (laughs) will not hit at the level that God intends it, because this was not written apart from experience. This was written in the midst of ministry and walking around town to town and healing and teaching the gospel to people. So if we want to grow closer to God, then we need to go into the spaces where his heart is. And his heart is with the widows and orphans. So that's one thing. Secondly, in 2017, um, we're making plans to host the Men's Encounter Weekend here in St. Joseph. So right now, we've been going to Oklahoma to do that. Um, So we're trying to get enough men to go through it so that by next fall, we can host one here and invite people from St. Joe and surrounding places to come and be a part of it here in town. So we're going to need men that can teach and attend and serve to make that weekend happen. So that's going to be coming out. Um, hopefully next fall. So if you want to be a part of making that happen, you know, you need to come and experience one. Uh, So let me know if you want to be a part of the January deal. Um, And then finally, uh, something I want to share with you guys this morning um, is something that we've been wanting to do for a really long time at Wellspring. And that's host a a class on just financial stewardship. Um, I don't know about you guys, but um, man, it is hard to live in our society financially. Um, You know, I'm old. I'm all the way almost up to 50. Um, That's a lot older than some of you, not as old as some, but we won't name any names. Um, But just even looking over the course of my life and how much things cost now comparatively is crazy, and sometimes it makes me really scared for my kids. (laughs) You know, how much groceries are, how much college is, it's just overwhelming, man. And the jobs and what you get paid is not going up at the rate in which things are going. And so and so many of us, including myself and maybe a lot of you, were not really equipped to just navigate finance as well. You weren't really trained and shown how to handle that stuff well. And so we, if you're like me, I've really kind of floundered around for 25 years. And I've done some things that have been smart and I've done some other things that have been really kind of dumb. And some of it has been out of ignorance. Some of it has just been out of laziness or selfishness or wanting more than what God has given me. And we found ourselves in debt at different times and tried to dig our way out. And, you know, you guys know the story. But one of the things that, that, that debt and poor money management does to us is it makes us a slave. And it puts us in bondage. And it keeps us from being generous It keeps us from being able to to give to church like we know we should, to the things that God is doing in in, in and around us. And so we've been wanting to get this off the ground for a long time, but it really has just been a matter of finding the right person and somebody who has the the talent and the heart to pull that off. And um, and I want to share one more thing. Guys, it doesn't matter how much money you make. I've, I've been reading this book. I'm a history buff. I've been reading a book about Thomas Jefferson 
And that dude was in debt. Holy cow. You know, and this is the president of the United States at the time, and he is like trying to figure out how to make it work with all these plantations he's owning and crops failing. <laughs> and I mean, it's not something that just affects, you know, only so, so many people. It's, it's everybody. So DJ Brooks, I'm going to bring him up. He is on our board, and he's also a financial planner and has a real heart for this. And you guys got a handout today he's going to talk a little bit about and share some vision for uh, what he's going to offer. So coming up. this on okay perfect it's great to be up here with you guys new year new goals new systems new things to accomplish um a little bit about me i'm dj brooks um i'm married to amy brooks she isn't here right now she's off at young life training but you got to hear from her a couple weeks ago um when she came up here and talked a little bit about young life so um we are actually transplants to to saint joe we neither of us grew up here and it's funny, it's ironic, because I used to come here when I was younger, I had family here, and used to think, oh, I could never live in St. Joe, I hate that place, it's not fun, there's nothing to do there, and, and you know, God, you know, in his sense of humor, and um, just kind of breaking our will, you know, we're here now, and uh, we've never been so surrounded with more loving people um, here at Wellspring, and in this community, and so I think that says a lot. Um, about just what Wellspring believes and getting outside of the church and just being a community and fellowship and just loving people well. Um, so yeah, keep on keeping on, guys. Um, so kind of like what Bob said, I'm on the board here at Wellspring, and I'm kind of the guy that is the finance guy. So anything financial related, anything to do with money, um, I typically have some sort of responsibility tied to it. Um, and some kind of conversation and decisions, um, I'm, I'm typically involved with those. So as we've kind of wrapped up the year you know, making the budget for the next year, going through the budget item by item, um, kind of talking about, having conversations about how are we going to be the best stewards of what God's given this church and, and what you guys are giving through um, through what you are, are making. So that's kind of what, what we do. Uh, some of the conversations we have are how, how, do, how do we continue to, to take care of our, our staff? Um, I don't know if you guys know, but about two-thirds of the budget goes towards... Um, you know, compensation and benefits for our staff. And that's, you know, that's the reality of it. Um, and the rest is programmatic and, and events and, and allowing our staff um, and volunteers to continue to do what they do well um, here at Wellspring. And so that's a little bit, you know, what I do on the, on the, the board. Um, what I do in real life is I'm a financial planner, so I have my own company, and I get to work with individuals um, and pretty much sit down and say, what is most important to you? Like, what do you want to accomplish um, above all else? And how do we use your resources, what you have, to get there? And so that involves a lot of tough conversations. It involves a lot of vulnerability um, and just honest conversations. Um, but that's the only way we can get them to where they need to be is through things like that. Um, what I love about Wellspring um, and, and Bob and Justin and everyone else that comes up to talk is that, you know, they, they talk um, with this convicting attitude um, and, and it's always been about obedience. How are we going to be more obedient to God um, and, and not, you know, not so much, the, you know, the prosperity and, and this is, you know, what God wants you to have and all this stuff. And so, like, Kelsey talked last week about chains and, and bondage and, and what um, is, in, you know, enslaving us. What are we shackled to? 
Um, and, and Bob's also talked about, you know, what are we just not willing to let go? There's a lot of things we're willing to let go in our lives and trust God on. But when it comes to the, the material things, the things that we can touch, the physical things, it becomes a lot harder, um, you know, naturally as, as humans. Um, the, you know, the things that we can't touch, you know, those are, those are the easy things. And so um, finances and personal finances, why is that so hard for us um, to be obedient? And, you know, I'm in the same pew with you guys. I've, I've struggled just as much as you guys um, along the path. Um, but it gets to the point, like, are we living our story to the most full purpose that God has intended? And chances are, you know, we aren't. Um, and that's a big reason is because we aren't able to relinquish everything, be, be fully obedient. And a lot of that comes back to, you know, personal finances. Like we're not willing to let go of certain things. Um, and that's a, that's a tough thing um, for us to do. You know, Jesus died for us so that we may be free, so we may live life to the full. Um, but, but we often just say, that's awesome, that's great. But we're not willing to let go of um, the material things or, or the things that become tough every day. So the board wanted to step back and say, you know, that's, that's easy to come up to say. Like, we can send DJ up there to, to talk on this taboo subject, which is fine, because this is my life. This is my job. It's not awkward at all for me. Um, but like, like Bob said earlier, if we do that without giving you the resources and help equipping you, we're just kind of spinning our wheels. And so how do we as a church, how does the board be a great steward, but then how does the congregation, how as brothers and sisters, how are we going to be great stewards as well? And so that's when it came up, um, this class. And so every decision that you make on a daily basis about what you spend your money on and how you spend your time is going to tell you what's most important to you. I don't care what you say. Those two things are finite resources. And um, I can take a look at your checkbook and I can take a look at a time log. And whatever you're spending most your money on and how you're spending your time is going to be what you're um, deeming most important in your life. And that's the reality of it. Um, in economics, there's this term called opportunity cost, and I'm kind of a nerd. So, you know, if you go and spend, you know, a dollar at a vending machine on a pop, you're forfeiting the next best opportunity to spend that on. So you're saying this is more important than this. Um, and so this is, we really wanted to step back and um, do this class and look at finances through a lens of biblical proportion. Um, and I know it's been on Bob's heart, and we've had a lot of conversations about this. Um, God wants us to honor him in, in all areas of our life, including personal finances. Um, the world, you know, and, and the enemy wants us to dishonor. It's the exact opposite. You know, we're being pulled in so many different directions, and it's, it's super hard in today's um, society where information, you know, is on overload. You're being marketed to hundreds and thousands times a day. Um, it is, it is mind-blowing. Um, but when you step back and you look at what do we actually need, you know, what, what is going to be, what's actually, actually going to fulfill our physical, spiritual, and emotional needs? It's not a lot, because Jesus did most of that when he died on the cross. So, um, you should have got this handout um, when you came in. If you didn't, there should be some back there. We're going to do Financial Peace um, University starting in February. Um, it'll be nine weeks long. It'll be on Mondays at 7.30, um, and I'll be, be here before and after that. Um, but my hopes is that I invite you into this. The, the board invites you into this. We hope that just your perspective on your personal finances changes. There's a transformation process, and it's, it's not going to be easy. Um, it's not going to be quick. 
you know, I, I guarantee that not everything's going to happen in nine weeks that's going to be perfect, and, you know, you're going to go off into the sunset and, and be totally changed. Um, it's tough. You know, my wife and I have had a lot of tough conversations because we're totally different personalities. We were brought up in totally different ways, um, and we just have had, had a lot of hard, con- honest conversation. Um, but what I can say is that you will have a new perspective on how God wants you to handle money. Um, there will be some accountability in there, whether that be kind of me just asking some questions or if you have a small group that comes or just some other people that you let in um, on this journey with you. There's going to be a lot of action steps um, of how we're going to get from where you're at to where you need to be um, and where is a healthy place financially to where we can be um, as generous as possible, to where we can love everyone around us through um, what God's given us. Um, And um, I will promise you this, um, and I don't make a lot of promises because the reality is we make a lot of promises that we don't keep, Um, but this is something that I will promise you. Um, With every fiber of my being, you know, if you, if I, you know, we invite you into this and you decide, hey, that's something that I want to do, um, with ever, every fiber of my being, like, I will help you get to where you need to be um, in a healthy place to where you can live life full um, and you can kind of let go of that, that bondage of, of financial, personal finances that's maybe kept you back from just giving everything to God um, to be as generous as you can be through what's, um, what God's given you. So, um, yeah, as you think about this year, and you reflect on the last year and things that you want to change, things that you want to be differently. And um, as you bring more things to the surface, um, just think about this a little bit. Um, I invite you into this. We invite you into this journey um, over the next nine weeks, um, starting in February. Um, so, so we want you to, to just kind of prayerfully consider that. Um, as Jesus was embarking um, out in the book of John, um, a couple of the disciples kind of asked him, you know, where are you going? Where are you staying? Uh, and Jesus turned back and said, come, come and see, come and find out for yourselves. And so I stand up here inviting you, the board invites you, this is where we're going, um, we need you. Um, you know, I love the imagery also in scripture when it talks about the cord, how two is better than one, how three is better than two, um, and just how as a congregation we can kind of get behind um, our staff and our volunteers and really support them well and love them well and love this community well. So um, I'll just leave you with that. Just come and see for yourself. Um, if you have any questions, questions, my information's on that, that handout. Feel free to contact me any way possible, and I'd love to get you some more information. Thank you, guys. I really want to encourage you to take advantage of that. And um, my small group doesn't know it, uh, but that's what we're going to be doing. Um, during that time. At least that's where I'll be on um, Monday nights because I know I need to learn more. Um, and so, uh, yeah. You can be with me, Claire? Okay, good, good. I'm excited. There'll be two of us. Um, and as a, as a church, I just want you to know that we're really committed to this. Um, the cost of this uh, class um, should be about $100 for the stuff we've had to buy and, and the videos that come along with it and stuff. And, and as a church, we're covering half of the costs so that that's not an issue for you coming. And if even $50 is an issue, let us know. And, and we don't want that to be an excuse at all because um, we feel like it's so important, um, especially if you're young and you're getting off on the, you know, the right foot as a young couple. Man, get this stuff figured out now. 
Um, don't make mistakes, you know, like so many of us have uh, that are older. So I want to leave you guys with just a passage um, as we close up here um, from the book of Proverbs that back when I was on, on Young Life staff here and we were making goals for the next year, I came across this verse and it kind of became my prayer for the year ahead. And it's pretty simple. It's in Proverbs 16.3. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. So, you know, I can stand up here and talk about this stuff and say, hey, this is where we want to go, but um, it's, it's on me and our board and our staff to commit these things to the Lord. It's on you guys to be praying for these things. Um, you know, as your pastor, I'm just saying, these are the things that God has put on my heart. And so you're going to trust that he's speaking to us through me today, that these are the things that, that we're going to focus on for a while and try to get some traction in. So um, join me in committing to that. Um, that prayer time. So let's pray as we close this morning. Lord, um, I just um, thank you uh, so much for, for 2016. It really was a, an unbelievable year of just bringing together some amazing staff and volunteers and just what you've done to create the culture here that we have uh, of trying to continue to grow in just generosity and care and um, God just being healed of some of the our own junk and trash that's, that's kept us from being the people that, that you want us to be, Lord, and that we are in you. And I pray, God, that you would continue to move in, in all of those places, that, that we would continue to, to live like the conquerors that your word says that we are. Help us as a community to come alongside one another. Lord, we commit these things to you. We pray that you would raise up people to be on that wraparound team and, and to foster and adopt and um, God, that there would just be tremendous growth and freedom through this financial class, and God, there would be men and women um, set free through different um, the men's encounter weekends and just the impact that that makes on husbands and fathers in this church. God, we love you so much, and we thank you that, that, that you give us everything we need to be the people that you want us to be. So we commit these things to you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close?